You must be Daisy. No, that's me. Oh, you've got that on the phone. I thought you was a redhead. Hey, I love redheads. <laughs> and I've got myself a treat today, Anna. Who might you be? I am Jim Fizz, mixologist extraordinaire. You're a what? He mixes cocktails. He said he's got an ology. He's going to take the cocktail class. Shake it till you make it. That, that's my catchphrase. That's very original, isn't it, girl? Yeah, but it is quite catchy. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. The talk of the street. Talk of the street. Welcome to episode 210 of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Cornish Street Catch-Up podcast that, along with viewers of a certain age, found that they could remember that Anthony, rather than failing everything, passed pottery and sociology. People will always need plates. I'm Gavin. And I'm Sticky. It is, I think, 94 degrees outside. And 106 with the heat index. Oh, well. Yeah. I remember being on holiday in one of the Canary Islands, I can't remember which, Mm -hmm. sometime in the late 90s then, Mm -hmm. sitting by the pool watching the hotel manager speak to, I guess it was like a salesman or something, but it was Mm -hmm. a guy and he was in in a suit and tie and he was stepping out of his car and he had his briefcase with him and they were, they sat at a little, uh, side table and mm-hmm. they, they had a the little conversation and the guy I don't know if he made a sailor note but he got up and he wandered away and his car had been sitting in the sun for I don't know maybe 20 minutes half an hour gets in and just drives away and I remember thinking oh, imagine working in heat like this because mm-hmm. <laughs> I'd never you know if it gets into the 70s in Scotland it's like your taps off sort of weather but this is what it's like yeah, and we don't even get the benefit of a sea breeze. No. Oh, yeah, it's a tough one today. It is a tough one today. I thought it was uh, over 90 degrees in this room earlier today, but then it was. I realised it was because my coffee cup was right next to the thermometer. So when, <laughs> once I drank that, it, it cooled down somewhat, but it's still pretty bloody hot. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I, uh, I took Stelly to get her braces on this morning. And that takes a good couple of hours to to get done. Yeah. So I walked across the street to the Big B for a cup of coffee and to get my notes done for a list of lists. And even just walking across the street was mm. unbearable. I was like, oh, man, I should have taken the car to cross the street. <laughs> well, I was on a call this morning, some meeting or other. And then I heard the bin men outside. And I was like, oh shit, I didn't put the bin out last night. Uh-huh. So I finished my call. I ran outside to get the bin thinking they've, they've gone, they've been and mm-hmm. gone. Only to find that somebody else had put the bin out. Benny. Because that never happened. <laughs> and just the, the running out and mm-hmm. going like 10 feet and coming back in again was like, bloody hell, it's hot out there. Yeah, and that was like at 10.30 in the morning. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Benny did it after our, our late night drive last night because once the sun went down, we went for a drive for half an hour. Oh, nice. He's got to get 
10 hours of driving in the dark. Right. (laughs) Done. (laughs) Fun stuff. And encountered four separate deer crossing the road. Oh. (laughs) Which terrified him. Yeah, it would terrify me. It's only a matter of time before you hit a deer. And I don't know what to do. What do you do when you hit a deer? Who do you call? The police. Deer busters? Deer busters, yes. Because I've already busted the deer, I guess. <laughs> the deer's already busted you, oh. is the problem. Yeah, I'm not looking forward to when that happens, because it's bound to happen. Yeah. It's happened to Pop-Pop. That's yeah, why Benny's terrified. Yeah. So how <laughs> you been otherwise? Yeah. Good. My wallet is considerably lighter, thanks to, thanks to the braces. Well, Apparently, wait. in the UK... Because I was speaking to one of our Scottish friends today about mm. this whole thing. Um, for under 16s, it is free to get braces. But there is a massive waiting list. So she's just got her fingers crossed that that they he gets the call before he turns 16. Right. A little over three grand, all told. Anyway, yeah, she'll just... No college for her. <laughs> She's the only one going to college. What are you talking about? <laughs> How have you been this week? You've been stressed. Uh, stressed to fuck, but... You work hard for the money, baby. Well, I show up. <laughs> you do more than show yeah, up. It's just been a... They would be lost <clears throat> without you. It, it's just been a... <laughs> we'll work and with your plans for the weekend and try to cram... Everything in, uh, like we like, there's a reason why we don't normally record this on a Wednesday night. Right. Yes, because we would miss Friday. And also, it puts <laughs> a huge amount of pressure on on me to get my notes done and everything. So yes. <clears throat> so anyway, so uh, yes, we are recording on a, on a Wednesday night. So we'll just be talking about Monday and, and Wednesday, and then we'll catch up with Friday next week. Next week, when I yes. don't think we have anything on next weekend. Yeah, fingers crossed. Weekend after that. Not so much. Oh, I did buy little lapel, wireless lapel mics. Don't we have, did we have some of those? Did yeah, we did, start did, with did, those? Did, Remember? Did, they didn't go well. So I <laughs> upgraded them to little wireless numbers that won't Ooh. get caught up in things. So if we find ourselves in a hotel in New Mexico at the start of July and we want to do a Cory podcast, we will have the technology with us to do so without having to cart the Zoom and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because... They might look ask us yeah. at us at the airport if we're carrying our Zoom with us. Yeah, and microphones and stuff. Yeah, we're not going to be doing no, that. No, we're not so. going to be doing that. Anyway. Uh, you know what came from Amazon for me today? What? My cord books for my oh, four-string electric cigar box guitar. So I will have something new to play with now. Excellent. So excited. Good stuff. Good stuff. Shall we preamble, my dear? Yes, please. Give us some of that humidor Cory news. Electric Cory news. Boogie, woogie, woogie. I mean, with humidor for some reason. Because of cigar box. Yeah. But yeah. Is that the best I can do, really? No. It's 94 degrees and it's Wednesday. Shut up. <laughs> Humidity or oh, yeah. humidor. It is humidor and humidor every second we're in this room. Congrats to Millie Gibson 
and to Maximus Evans for winning Best Young Performer and for Villain of the Year. Congratulations. The British Soap Awards. Well deserved. A little sad that that's all that Corey brought home, but you know. (laughs) Emmerdale won. Yes, and they should have won. Emmerdale's been pretty good. Yeah. I have to say it. I even know Emmerdale's been pretty good and I don't even watch it. So how do you know it's been pretty good? Well, because I follow an awful lot of stuff on Twitter and because oh, you right, talk right. about it and yeah. the whole Mina thing. Yeah, it was over the top and ridiculous. Right, but that's what a soap opera is supposed to do. But by gum, it was entertaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they've been doing they've, they've been doing well. I, I don't know if this is... This is definitely commentary on, you know, the last time we had awards, Corey were winning them hands down. I don't know, it's, it's somewhat disappointing that the that time seems to have passed. Yeah, well, maybe this will be a wake-up call and they'll start doing better. Because by all accounts, it's been a terrible year for EastEnders as well. The people that, that I know that have been watching EastEnders aren't, haven't been loving it. So, you so know. both of them need to up their game. Yeah, but good stuff for, for Emmerdale. It was yeah. nice to see them one because they're always... Always seem to be Coronation Street's uh, nemesis, ginger, ginger-haired stepchild kind of thing. Ah. Anyway, continuing, Maureen Lipman gave us all an Easter egg on Monday by saying that Jim Fizz had an ology, referencing her book. You got an ology, which reference is in her book. I thought it was because no. she's and from the commercial. And from the commercial, but the but she wrote a book called You Got an Ology, which was based upon the commercial she did with the whole ology thing. I have seen the commercial. Yeah, so it's yeah. based on the commercial. Yes. Which is what my intro was about. Right. Yes. So that's two two times that we've we've referenced it. I quite liked her little look when she when she delivered the line. Right. It's kind of like she knew that she'd just said it, and she kind of well. That's out there now. It's kind of <clears> like um, in um, Spider-Man: Far From Home, when um, Willem Dafoe says to Tom Holland, "I'm something of a scientist myself," and then kind of looks at the camera. Oof. He doesn't really like kind of look at the camera, but you feel you feel him inwardly cringing that he has to he has to say that line again. <laughs> Yeah, there were definitely two camps for whether they appreciated that line or not. I quite appreciated it, but there were some people like, oh, really, really Dame Maureen or really writers. Right. That's what we're doing. Yeah, but if she wasn't in on it, if she didn't want to do it, she wouldn't have done it. She's a dame after all. She's got a mean right hook. Either way, it definitely happened. (laughs) It definitely happened. And finally, Julia Golding, our Shona, revealed at the British Soap Awards that she's expecting baby number two, showing off her wee little baby bump. That's a decent sized baby bump. Yeah, she said it's smaller than with her first son, Franklin, so she's been able to hide it on the show. But now it's hilarious. And this happens every time that, you know, somebody on a TV show, you know, announces they're pregnant all I'm doing now is is watching her and, and seeing how they're trying to hide it and, yeah. and what they're doing with her clothes and stuff. She seems to be carrying cushions with her quite a bit. <laughs> Hilarious. Like, w- walking She's behind the bus. Behind the counter quite a bit. Mm. 
Now, the last time she became pregnant in real life, of course, her character was shot in the stomach, went into a coma and came out with brain damage. So right, yes. Who knows what will happen this time. <laughs> It'd be nice if they just... What made her pregnant? Yeah, let her be pregnant. Let her and David have one biological child. Another child to ignore in that house. That's great. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, give something other than Max to focus on. Hmm. And that's Corey News. That's Corey News, which typically brings us to, well, podcast for coffee. You know what? It's fine. It's absolutely fine. What? Nobody bought us coffee again this week? Yes. Do people not love us anymore? <laughs> what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Poor Gav sits in this hot box of a room, sweating and slaving over memes and YouTube videos and trimming Coronation Street down to four minutes four for your under. for your viewing pleasure. And you cannot buy this poor man one cup of coffee a week? Forget me. I don't care. <laughs> I don't care about any of this. But this man sweats and slaves over a hot monitor just for you. And you can't buy him a coffee for shame. It's always good when you say that you don't care. <laughs> no, it, it is fine. We've been, we've been absolutely blessed for, for weeks and months as far as the coffees have been concerned, so... I had two nice cups of coffee today because <clears> I had a, a golden latte, a golden turmeric latte at Big B, and then I had my coconut coffee with oat milk at Dunkin' Donuts a little while afterwards. So. That house coffee. Yeah, you did. And it made me think that I was sitting in a room that was above 90 degrees thanks to the <laughs> thermometer placement. And also because you were. <laughs> and it was, it was really hot. <laughs> yeah, I do sit in... You know, I'm, do, I'm doing it for my pleasure as much as anything else. So. Yeah. Anyway, if you think and to any avoid of th- his family. <laughs> well, that is that. <laughs> if you think any of that is worth any more than the patience it requires to sit through it, you can buy us a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com. That's ko-fi.com slash the talk of the street. And now this. <laughs> A welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome to Last Year Tonight with me, John Oliver. Just enough time to quickly talk about the messier, the better. The messier, the better. Is this another one of uh, Sally and Tim's kinks? That's right. This was Nina trying to muscle in on Daisy's night out. I could get messy, said Daisy. The messier, the better, said Nina. This was when Daisy was uh, unpleasant. And didn't want Nina to be going along in the More unpleasant than she is now. I don't know if she's unpleasant anymore. She's still a little unpleasant. She was unpleasant to Nikki, let's not forget. I think she was entitled. Mm. I anyway. still love her. I love her more when she's more unpleasant. I was Gavin <laughs> and you had a sunburn because you had a yard sale field. You had a bit of sunburn as well. How's that looking? Oh, it yeah, it's all gone. It's all gone because I've was, been rubbing aloe all over myself after the camping trip this past weekend. Yeah. Because I was Not good dumb. tattoo maintenance. We've, we've done this before. We know what's required. That's why I bathed myself in aloe all week long. 
Mm. You've been away camping, been to a baseball game, been on a 10-mile hike, been kayaking, it was your idea of heaven and my idea of hell. You were also <laughs> almost eaten by a mole. <laughs> or oh, that's how you pitched it. I'm not exactly <laughs> sure that the mole was going to eat you. No, but it, it scared me to death because it w- it popped out underneath my sleeping bag. And I thought it, I was I was in a, the next sequel to Tremors. So it's scary. It's a very poor sequel of Tremors. <laughs> this past, it's a mole. This past week while camping, I was sleeping in the trailer. So no moles. No. I was just terrified that I was going to die during a thunderstorm. Yeah. You were out of Twitter jail. Nothing had been removed from your timeline, but apparently you'd been spamming. You'd signed up for this thing that was posting on your behalf, I think. I think that's what happened. Yeah. And then I stopped it, but I was still posting things occasionally from my shop, and it happened again. So, I tried to explain why the Lansing Lugnuts minor league baseball team mascot is a large purple dinosaur that isn't Barney with nuts and bolts attached to his face. Tyrone's Michigan State t-shirt may be destined for only one viewing as Alina takes him to buy some shiny new wardrobe with lots of zips but no socks. Jim and Chesney find themselves on different pages when it comes to Alice's cockle implant operation and seek the advice Cochlear. of a complete stranger to break the impasse. Where is Jim and Chesney? Stop asking that or they'll <laughs> come back. Mary is an unexpected ally for Bernie in Matters of the Heart. Billy spends a week being overly interested in Summer's diet while she is slamming back the energy drinks as the pressure of exams begins to take its toll on her comprehension of romance languages. We've been doing this for a fucking year. Yeah. Fucking stop it. ITV Stefan has signed the shortest lease in history as Leanne and Nick move back into Victoria Court, which doesn't go unnoticed by Sharon and any number of Harvey's backup goons. Dev's shoes are all squelchy. Todd is used to hearing "Si, Senor, and Tommy O is forceful with selfies. Our moment of the week was Abby telling Nina that Seb's death was not her fault, and a boring moment of the week was Chesney being a dick to Gemma. And that was <laughs> Cornish Street. And the choo and the talk of the street. This time last year. So, shall we dive in, my dear? Yes, please. So, we only have two, two days to days. go through, so... We can probably get out of here before I lose consciousness. Tw- 20 pounds in sweat and yes, hand consciousness. <laughs> Our first line this evening is Kathy's novelty headline. <sighs> On Monday, Brian is packing fudge. But not like that. But not like that. Well, maybe like that. It's Cornish fudge. And Kathy is bored out of her You know tits. how they get Cornish fudge, right? I, I sense that this might be a joke. Anal with a Cornish hen? I don't know. Oh, that isn't a joke. (laughs) Maybe it's a joke. Is it funny? I don't know. It's hot in here. I got nothing. All I could think of was anal with a Cornish hen. Is that how you get Cornish fudge? Well, I'm not sure if the science will drop it. (laughs) We can, but try. Kathy is bored of her tits with this and asks if Brian loves her. He insists that he does, otherwise why would he be planning their future together? Sometimes she says she's not too sure. And also, Brian. Right. Later in the cabin, Kathy is still looking glum while Brian goes on about Cornwall again. He talks about their future, explains a statement maybe coming through their uh, letterbox one day. A statement with uh, that's addressed to Mr and Mrs Packham. And he drops down to one knee. 
Are you proposing, she asks. And he points out all the tax and insurance benefits of getting married. So Cathy... So sexy. Eyes him up and down. So romantic. storms out. And he says, can you help me up? Because my knee's gone. And yeah, and she said, fuck that for she just a bag of Cornish fudge. Kathy goes to the pub to complain about Brian to Evelyn, Jenny and Daisy. Kathy mentions the letters from last week, which between him, which were between him and Julie Carp, his ex. Julie Carp was good. Daisy gasps, <gasps> his ex? Or gasps at the idea that somebody else is going out with Brian. <laughs> the letters included her asking him back and she doesn't know how he replied to it. Jenny reminds Kathy that love triumphs over all. And then in comes... Using... Leo is the example of love triumphing over all, not the dude who died trying to save her life. Well, love didn't triumph over that. Death triumphed over that. Yeah, but still. I quite like <laughs> that Daisy on. pointed out that, what are you talking about? You were arguing about beer the other week. Right. Or yesterday. Yeah, and, and Jenny said, beer is life. Then in comes Jim Fizz. Mixologist extraordinaire. Jim Fizz. Jim Fizz. So if Fizz was to marry, she'd be Fizz Fizz. Right. Jim. Cousin to Gin Fizz. Now, you posted something about a turtle. Yes. I don't, I don't understand it. You've, you've never had a slow gin fizz before? No. Okay, is that is that a, a cocktail not available in the United Kingdom? It's not a combination of words I've ever heard before, but you've I never wasn't heard a big, of a slow gin fizz. I wasn't a big gin drinker, so drink gin. Yeah, you don't like the uh, the scent of elderberries. The only time that I drank gin was, and I think I've said this before, was uh, the day before I moved into my flat in Stirling, and I was staying at my mum's. She was away on vacation, and I'd gone to the pub, mm-hmm. and I came back. Keen to drink some more, but found that she didn't have any beer in the house and only had... Gin. Gin. But she didn't have any mixers, and the only thing that we had was Coke. So I had a gin and Coke. They do not go. No. Gin and tonic, on the other hand... Famously goes. Famously go quite well. Yeah. He's got an ology, says Evelyn. Jim Fizz thinks he has the gift of the gab, and Cathy looks like she might be falling for it. Ugh. So Jim Fizz and Cathy get chatting about Brian and his plans to move to Cornwall and, and she's just telling him far too much information about the proposal and about the letters and all that sort of stuff. Also, he has a thing for redheads. Just like just like our son. Oh, does he? Yeah. No, no, he and I, I've, I've teased him about oh. the redhead thing. Also, Chris Pratt in Jurassic Park has a thing for redheads. Redheads Anymore? that run around and scream and need rescuing all the time. Hmm. She gets a call from Brian wanting her back home at six for her dinner, but Jim Fizz reckons that she could have more fun here with him and his cock tails. Jim Fizz has taken Kathy like a slow gin fizz out the back, but not like that. When Brian comes in looking for Kathy, who is now late. Evelyn goes off to make sure there's no funny business, but there is funny business that she interrupts, and then she quickly manages to shepherd Brian away before he sees anything. It was a... Maybe Brian should have seen something. Maybe that would have woken him up to what an idiot he is. Hmm. Probably not, though, because because of events that happened later. But still, he's, he's so oblivious, that Brian. It's like, I'm going to plan our whole lives 
for you because I love you so much and not even take into consideration that maybe this isn't what you want. Well, she's kind of made it clear that she doesn't want to go. And then as soon as she mentions that she might change her mind and he right, goes yeah. back into full move mode again. Right, yeah. Yeah, this is not a successful relationship. A hungover Cathy is brought back into the rovers where Evelyn puts a rolled up bar towel on her shoulders for some reason. But at the mention of a kebab, she rushes to the toilets to vomit. I ain't cleaning that shit up, says Daisy, and no one blames her. <laughs> on Wednesday, Cathy gets up late to find Brian complaining about the magazine selection they have at the cabin. Cathy initially thought that Brian had heard about her infidel- infidelity with Jim Fizz, but he hasn't. He really it's, just cares about the magazines. It's just one kiss. Do we count that as infidelity? I think Cathy does. One drunken kiss. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what it represents, really, isn't it? A desire for something more than she has. Does she really desire Jim Fizz, though? Well, I think it's more that she doesn't desire Brian. Well, can you blame her? Kathy goes to see <laughs> Evelyn and begs for her discretion. Evelyn thought better of her than a mixologist. Kathy insists that she loves Brian and was wanting to punish him for the letters thing. Evelyn advises that she should come clean if she wants to be with him. Otherwise, it'll come back on her like a kipper. That was a good line. Or a kebab. Yeah, a kipper really does have a bit of an aftertaste that you, right. you eat it and a day later you belch and you taste it again. Right, yeah. I was just thinking of the fact that just the mention of a kebab the night before had her running to the bathroom. Absolutely. Back at the cabin and Brian is still complaining about magazines, Kathy tries to distract him by accepting his proposal for marriage and a joint bank account. Outside, Brian bumps into Jenny who chats a bit about the cocktail night but gives nothing away. Brian announces, well, she has nothing to give away because Evelyn is the only one who knows about the smooch. Brian announces that Kathy has accepted his proposal and he plans to take some cocktail making lessons to impress her. And Jenny promises to send him Jim Fizzy's details. So Brian gets in contact with him and Jim turns up at the cabin and is full of really dodgy patter, learning that Brian was recommended to him from Jenny. What a night that was, says Jim. Yeah, last night. Jim isn't the type to kiss and tell, but he does tell Brian that he got a kiss. Right, yeah, and also talking about how hot all the redheads were and everything. And it's like, you're talking to a guy who lives on the street who knows these women. What, why would you... Well, I don't think he's the... I don't think he's like a poster boy for discretion. Is there Jim Fizz? Well, that's true. Too many gin fizzes. I kind of... I still don't know what that is. <laughs> you can continue to make that joke. I don't know if... Um, he seemed he seemed kind of good fun on the Monday, but just became a bit of a pain on the arse on the Wednesday. Yeah, right, because he's only there. He's only there because plot, so. Oh, sure. So he doesn't have to be likable for very long. Cathy sees Evelyn later and confesses that she bottled coming clean with Brian. Brian is the one for her and she didn't want to risk it. Meanwhile, she's got a fake headline poster made up that says Brian and Cathy in wedding shocker question mark. Thank you, Charlie Millward, for that. Hilarious. Meanwhile, Brian and Jim are making a mess of the cocktails while Jim tells the story of snogging the hottie from last night who had a dull proposal from her fella who was looking for a life insurance discount and who had been corresponding with his ex. Brian puts two and two together. Brian is attempting to be Tom Cruise in Cocktail. Yeah. He's, he's trying to, like, 
pour the drinks from like really, really far away. And Jim Fizz is rightly saying, no, 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 you got to get closer. And he keeps getting further away. And it's like, why did you even ask for, why did you even pay for lessons if you're, if you're just going to ignore? Yeah, this isn't really even cocktail making. This is just pouring liquid at a height. Right. Yeah. It's like, what is, what is the point here? And why are we talking about Tom Cruise? In this episode of Coronation Street. Kathy has put the headline in place as Brian comes out onto the street. Happy engagement, cries Yasmin and Roy probably. But Brian is in no mood to celebrate. There will be no Kathy and Brian wedding. He stomps inside the cabin. He shouts fake. by a Kathy. He shouts fake news. He does. As if he were someone else with a gigantic inflated head that never listens to anybody else's advice. Well, and he does give him the, the credit for it. Right, yes. Although he doesn't mention it by name. No. Because who would? Inside, it quickly comes out that Jim Fizz blabbed. Kathy isn't particularly apologetic for it. She says that she does love Brian as cliche as it is. But what about the letters from Julie Carp? And Brian insists that the infatuation was one way and he had spurned her advances. They reached something of an impasse and it seems difficult to see where they're going to go from here. Yeah, he's all indignant about this and it's like, well, Brian... If that's the case, then why were you hiding it from Kathy in the first place and not telling her, oh, this, you know, my ex keeps writing me letters and I've told her I don't want her back. So don't worry about it. But I just wanted to let you know that this is happening. Why wouldn't you do that? Wouldn't that be something important for her to know? Well, he says it's private correspondence, which of course it is. Right. But it does require some some kind of hiding on his part that he has come in into receipt of this and he's hiding it away like it's something to be hidden and right and not discussed and and also private correspondence is one thing, but when you are in love with someone and you want to marry them and spend the rest of your life with them, you shouldn't have secrets like that from them hmm. you know it's like. Especially if it's not a big deal and you've spurned her. Just say that. But he is such a big head about everything. Sniper of dream. (laughs) And just does not listen and just bloviates all over the place. Yeah, the Julie Carp thing does seem to be a bit of a plot contrivance to give Kathy something to be upset about. But Right, yeah, because that didn't even that didn't even occur to us last week when she found the letters. We were like, "Uh oh, has he already bought a house? Is he, you know, is he still has he made a deal to buy that shop already? Mm-hmm. Is he buying up something for Cornwall? You know, it it never crossed either one of our minds that it was an ex. No, this feels just like a really shitty way." For Kathy to go out, doesn't it? She just seems to be going through the motions on it. And even though she insists that she loves Brian, it's like it seems like she's just she so tired of it as she's explaining. Even when she's trying to make her case in the cabin at the end there, and she says, "Look, it's cliche and everything, but I do love you, Brian." And and he, I think, says that he begins to wonder. And then she casts up the letter, and they have the little backwards and forwards. But in, but when he, he kind of makes out that. This seems to be it. She's kind of... I don't even know if she's disappointed. 
she doesn't seem to be. This seems to be more of a relief than anything. The whole episode on Wednesday, she she was hungover, but she seemed hungover. She was just like, I oh, just can't work up the enthusiasm to be bothered about anything. Although she does go out and she gets the novelty right. headline. But the way that Evelyn reacts to that is like, it's, it's like it's almost expected of her. That, mm-hmm. oh, you've gone and that, that's what you've gone and done to kind right. of prove your love sort of thing. Right, yeah. Her point was... The you lady should, you should tell him. You should tell him because if he means that much to you, then you want to clear the air. Right. And if if you want, and, and then speak to him about the letters. But the lady she, does protest too much. Oh, she doesn't protest enough. Right. Well, the lady does <clears throat> go to the gimmicks shop too much. <laughs> right. Gimmicks with an X. Yes. Gimmicks with an X. At the end, we're to assume, I think. Yes. Yes. And you know what they have <laughs> in the back of the gimmicks shop? Behind the partition. They have the Cornish fudge next. Right. So I was That's right. where you were getting right Cornish fudge. Yeah, had Cornish you, fudge. And also, you know, your standard vibrators and butt plugs and stuff like that. And the, and the joke shop? Yeah, in the back of the joke shop. Oh. Behind the partition. It's like Spencer's have Gifts. Have you had uh, Cornish fudge? I don't think so. I've never been that close to a Cornish hen. Moving on then, our next storyline is I still know what you did last. Summer. Summer. On Monday. Yeah, see, the sequel's never as good as the original. Never. On Monday. You liked that TV show, though. Yeah, the TV show was was pretty decent. Yeah, one season. Oh, please, just one season. On Monday, (laughs) Summer gets up late and immediately gets lectured from Billy. He wants her to go to school with him to a meeting with Crawshaw to discuss the whole exam cheating thing. And she refuses because there's no point because she cheated on an exam and she knows that she's going to get thrown out of it or whatever. He tells her there are lots of universities. She doesn't need to go to Oxford. And she tells him that she's not going to go to either of them, any of them, whatever. Right, yeah. It's Oxford or nothing. So it's nothing. On the street, Summer is ignored by Ash and Amy, who both eventually reveal that they think Summer is a bitch for letting Addy take the blame. And they're not wrong. Right. And they leave when Aaron arrives and he offers to take her for a smoothie, but not like that, to cheer her up. Just as friends, mind you, I realise that we're not going out with each other anymore. And it's like, what? what is it with this relationship, right? Because they've been, he's been in maybe four episodes yeah, it's not like yeah, it's even instance, a relationship to begin with. They weren't going out. Then they kind of went out. Right. And then he said, we're definitely not going out. Right. And then he changed his mind. Right. And they went out. Right. And then she said, we're not going out anymore. Right. I think that's a summary of the relationship. Pretty much. They've spent more time talking to each other about how they're not going out with each other than they've spent actually going, going out, out with together. each other. Yeah. yeah. It wasn't like their first date in the hospital when... Oh, probably, yeah. <laughs> so Todd meets up with Paul at Nina's Rolls. Paul has heard from Billy about Summer's uni plans and asks them to have a word with her. Todd jumps at the chance of being bad cop. Of course he does. So Todd and Paul go to see Summer. They tell her she's wasting her enormous talent and her superior brains. <sighs> Summer tells him to fuck off. <laughs> and then, completely out of the blue... Aaron and Summer are back together again and Aaron tells Summer that he wants to go on holiday with her. Wow. He knows that they're not going out together anymore but that doesn't mean that they can't go out together. So she agrees because her friends have told her that she's a bitch. Right, yeah. Um, I have no friends anymore so I guess you'll do. 
who this Aaron character is he is he a student at school? He's not a student at her school, no. Um, he's, I think he's the same age, though. But he's, yeah, he, she only knows him from the support group. So he's got to live nearby. Right, and he turns up on the street unannounced. So, yeah, he must be close by. Right. Where are they getting the money for this holiday, this week's are, holiday? Are they, are they going with his parents? I'm assuming they're going with his parents, right? It's not just two teenagers going off on holiday. That's what it sounded like. How is that even possible? He would have said, he would have said if his parents were involved. I think the intention here is for the two of them to go off on holiday together on their own. And we're about to find out, if that is the case, we're about to find out something shocking. Because then Billy gets home, finds her, <laughs> and before she's had a chance to say, hiya Billy, Billy jumps down her throat for not asking how his mate McCrawshaw went. Apparently, she's been banished from the exam or whatever. Me and Aaron are going to go on holiday, says Summer, who until recently harboured ambitions for Oxford. Me and Aaron are going on holiday. That's the grammar of a girl who hopes to go to Oxford. Me are going to holiday. <laughs> Aaron come too. Yes. Billy thinks it sounds like what she needs right now. Seems to give his blessing. And then Summer sees a beach body advert in her magazine and she shits herself. <sighs> so Billy's okay with this? Billy's, Billy. Summer's a, 17. A bishop. He's not a bishop. Archbishop. He's an archdeacon. Archdeacon. Whatever the hell he is. He doesn't even He's know. He's an archdeacon. It's nice that this week, at least Summer asks if Billy is doing Imran's service. So at least... One person in that house knows what an archdeacon does occasionally. But still, he's like freaking out over every little thing. Although, to be fair, let's remember, this is the guy that said, stop studying, go out and have fun with your friends. But that was good advice. It was good advice. But remember, at the time, we were kind of like, why do you want her to stop studying? I guess because it hadn't become annoying for us yet. No, I, I think I was okay with that at the time. But Because you need to take a break. Yeah, you do need to take a break every once in a while. But to go off with a kid that I don't think Billy has ever Billy's met. Billy's never met her. And, and, and Summer Summer's doesn't even him. know him. Not really. Summer knows very little about this kid. Well, at least we know that she still has an eating disorder because... She just happened upon a magazine with a Beachbody article on the front page right. from 1994. I, I don't know. Call me old-fashioned. You're old-fashioned. But when you're not going out with a guy, like, so I, right. I, I've watched a little bit of Love Island. I I hate them all. Right, of course. that You're supposed to hate I them all. I think so. But... Uh, even there, if you're not if you're not going out with someone, and you made it clear that you're not going out with someone, mm -hmm. if that person was to then say we should go on holiday together, I uh -huh. think that should I think that that constitutes a red flag. Yes, yes. Th there is something that 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 he's not picking up if he's planning on going on holiday with you, and then says that he misses you and all that sort of stuff. Right, but she agrees to this, so apparently. She was putting down what he was picking up. 
Because she says yes. Oh, she, yeah, she jumps at the chance. Right. Because she has no other friends now. Right. Because she was a bitch to Addie. And nobody is a bitch to my Addie. Right. Nobody. Yeah, there was part of me because I, I just don't like confrontation. Right. But I thought, I wonder if they're going a little bit too far, but... They weren't. They weren't. They really they weren't. weren't. No. It was terrible what she did. And I, I love I love Asha and Amy sticking up for Addie, considering how, many, how much they tease him mm-hmm. over and over and over again. Yeah. But they have his back, and oh, I like that. Right. I like that an awful lot. Yeah, so... Are we going to get a Summer Loses Her Virginity on Holiday story then? She's the only one. She's the only one who still has her virginity. Not that virginity means anything. It's just a social construct, but still. I think it does mean something, doesn't it? It means that you haven't had sex yet. Right. Yeah, but... it does, in the long In the grand scheme of life... Does it really matter whether or not you've had sex? Only if you haven't. <laughs> I think. And you're, you know, somebody who cares about having sex. Yeah. Which is not everybody. Right. Uh, Paul and Billy. Uh, Paul and Billy. Paul and Todd. Paul and Todd. They're going to fuck, aren't they? What's going Eventually. on? What's going on with Brocklebank? Why is he never in, in two consecutive scenes in this storyline? It's it's odd. Todd and Paul are going to hook up and I'm going to hate it. Oh, no, they can't. They're they, going to. They they're going to. You know they are. Uh, maybe it happens on Friday. <laughs> in which case, I'm glad that we're not talking about it. Anyway, let's I move bet, on. I bet it happens while we're on vacation. Our next storyline this morning is Blind Drunk. This morning? No, this evening. What did I say? You said this morning. Did I? On Monday, Gail catches Audrey taking out the garbage, which apparently is something that's worth remarking upon because Gail is astonished to find this. It's her cataract operation this afternoon, which reminds us of, yeah, that's right. Audrey's blind. Right. Blind drunk. That's what you said. It's her cataract operation this afternoon and Gail assumes that she's worried about it. Audrey seems more worried about sleeping next to Gail while she recuperates. And also wine. Right, yes. Later, Gail is rooting through the bin looking for her bottle of special wine that I think was a gift for Nick or whatever that she suspects Audrey has thrown out in error. But when she finds a bottle, it's empty. And there are tons of other bottles in the garbage too. Well, well. Shona wastes no time in throwing Audrey under the bus about this. And then after the operation, Gail brings Audrey home. It was a complete success, and now Audrey wants a drink. Shona goes off to put the kettle on. I said I need a fucking drink, shouts Audrey. And Gail makes that face. Later, Audrey has passed out drunk in her chair, and Gail makes the decision to hide all the booze in the house. Little intervention there by Gail. So on Wednesday, Gail and Audrey turn up for lunch at the bistro. If you're so bothered about your mother's drinking gale maybe don't, don't take, take her, her to, to the, the bistro. bistro but then again oh no i guess they could go to speed doll or they could just have lunch in the house right although that would require one of them cooking something yeah or, or getting shona to cook them something <laughs> audrey's keen to get wired at the vino but gale puts her foot down and orders lime and soda instead so after lunch, Audrey and Gail chat about Toy and Imran. Audrey doesn't see what Imran saw in Abby with her mucky overalls. And as all this is happening, 
Debbie in the base was trying to find some cover for a cleaner who has quit, mm-hmm. but she's finding it difficult to get somebody from the, the agency. Right. So Nick suggests Gail. Right, because whenever there's something that needs to be cleaned and it's owned by one of her children, right. they get Gail. This is, this is, it's, it's the trifecta now because she's cleaned the barbershop, mm-hmm. she's cleaned the factory, yep. and now she's cleaning the bistro. And she had a little Freddie Flintstone tabard when she was cleaning the factory. I quite, yes, she I was. quite enjoyed that. So yeah, but it was, I guess I guess it was quite amusing. But another in another way, it was just really sad that Debbie said, "Are you sure she's up to all that stretching and bending over and stuff?" Uh-huh. And Nick said, "She's cheap." Like, That's your mother. That's your mother. That's your mother. You're, and you're her favorite child. He's had a much better relationship with her than. Than David did. Right. Even Sarah. Oofed. Oofed. So anyway, it looks like Gail's going to be the cleaner at the at the beach now because Huzzah. Because Craig spilled some vodka and blackcurrant during the the fight between Leanne and Adam and Adam that we'll be talking about later. Yes. Audrey gets home and begs Shona for a glass of vino. When Shona reveals that there is none in the house. Audrey gives her a tenner to run to Debs to get a bottle and get a tip single in a match while she's at it. And then Gail gets home and finds Audrey pished unconscious again in her chair. Shona doesn't think they can monitor 24-7 at 80 years old and Gail thinks that's exactly what they should be doing. Right, yeah. That's exactly when you should be monitoring them. But the most important thing is that Shona has appreciated the peace and quiet with, uh, with Audrey with being comatosed yeah. with, with the drink. And that's as far as we get with that this week. So we're back to ha ha ha. Look at the drunk old lady. Isn't I don't it know if funny? It's, I don't know if it's been played for laughs anymore. Is it? It isn't. It's, it isn't. Funny it's not it funny. It's not funny. It's it's sad. It's really sad and uncomfortable and not in a good way. Yeah, when you had the little moments where she's pissed and she's talking to Max, or she's pissed and she's talking to Sam, to Sam, then those moments. In isolation, right? Were kind of funny, right? But when you do it over and over again, right? And, and now she seems to be unable to go anywhere without having wine, or, right? Or something yeah. else, and not drink anything but wine all day long, right? So now it's becoming a problem with her. She's like, it's ten, you know, Gail's like, it's ten o'clock in the morning. She's like, we're retired, we can drink at ten o'clock in the morning. No, no, that's. Big old red flag there. Yeah, well, maybe you shouldn't be drinking so well in the morning, every morning. And so, all day. So we've kind of tackled the cataract thing where, remember, she was... Did she crash her car or something like that? She had that eye cover on for, for a day. A day. That is not how long you have the eye cover on after eye surgery. Well, maybe that's how long Audrey has it on for. And she's just disregarded that after it but apparently it's going fine so that's that dealt with and now we just have the fact that well no because she starts to do her other eye are we are we going down the line where there is an audrey alcoholism story here and it kind of seems to be what they're hinting at do we need an 80 year old as an alcoholic story i mean i i don't on on paper i don't dislike the idea because it's, I guess it's an interesting topic because you don't automatically assume that 
that great grannies have drink problems. Oh, <laughs> maybe you don't. Oh, I don't. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. It just, you know, and Audrey's, Audrey's point of view seems to be, I'm going to die soon anyway, so might as well hurry it along. Or might as well enjoy myself. Right. Seems to be her point she of view. doesn't seem to be enjoying herself, though. That's the No. Thing. I mean, we have finally gotten Peter sober. We finally, I guess, sort of gotten Abby back mm. off the drugs. For now. But Abby, huge back and forth drug addiction. Kelly, back and forth drug addiction. Do we need another addiction storyline on the street? This, this, this seems to be an issue with mental health in Manchester. Maybe everybody needs one of those little sad lamps. Maybe they're just not getting enough sunshine. Mm. Because this, it seems to be an epidemic in this street. Uh, well, what is it? What what else is it that's missing from Audrey's life that she's filling in with with wine or or Nigel Havers? <laughs> right, she's missing Nigel she's, Havers she's, too much. She's she's filling the Nigel Havers sized hole in her life mm. with with the vino. And I mean, you know, she has complained. You know, nobody needs me anymore. That's what she's missing. She's missing Claudia. She's missing a rival. She's missing, and she's missing something to do because she can't cut hair anymore. Right. So she's missing all that. But doesn't she still own the barber shop? So she could still, even if she's not cutting hair, she could be like managing it and doing the books and taking an interest, right? Mm-hmm. There's there's things that she could be doing, or I don't know, she could be like, like Rita and Ken, and just not have storylines anymore, and then just show up on set every once in a while to scold their children, or in Rita's case, adopted children, and then leave again. I don't know. I like the idea of an Audrey storyline. Yeah. I do love me Sue Nichols. Right. No, absolutely, but. If you're going to give her a storyline... Oh, you don't give her this. Give her something else. Do you have to give her a storyline that makes her look pathetic? Yeah, true. Because didn't that sort of happen with the whole Nigel Havers thing where it was like, you know, her family poo-pooing her and, and trying to convince her that he was trying to... Yeah, she's getting scammed again. Scam, scammed again and, you know, fighting over... The coffin with Claudia and stuff. I mean... Good times. At least that was funny. Mm-hmm. And not in a pathetic way. In a genuinely funny way. Remember when Audrey hit Claudia over the head with flowers that she like just threw at her at that... That was I think great. you may be misremembering that. Or was it a vase or a trophy or something? I remember her dropping the mic, but she was pissed at that point as well. But she chucked something at Claudia as well, like the flowers. Oh, yeah, I think she did. Yeah. And then, didn't she get hit herself in the back of the head? Oh, and she went down like a sack of spuds. <laughs> she did. That was funny. That was funny as fuck. Yeah. The, the cl- clearly mannequin version of Audrey went down like a sack of spuds. I mean, if we're going to give the older members of the cast storylines which i'm not against which we're no we're not against have it be 
stuff where they're interacting with one another, not with their children thinking yeah. that they are pathetic and old, or not even really thinking that they're pathetic and old, but just concerned about them. Yeah, because this isn't Hollywood. All the time. What else does it say about, because you've got the two of them, Audrey and Gail, supposedly enjoying their retirement, and now Gail's working as a cleaner. Right. Because while Audrey's in her 80s, Gail's not Gail's not too far behind. Audrey well, was wasn't having sixties. Yeah, she wasn't having she wasn't having Gail when she was in her forties. So yeah, so Gail should be and I'm once again reminded that, that Nick is forty one years old. <laughs> in the show. In the show. He's older than that in real life. Right. Moving on, the next story is Mimi with two M's and two eyes. On Monday, Fizz and Phil with two L's are in Nina's roles. Thanks to the ceiling coming in and covering everyone in horse spunk that time, he's discovered that the wiring is fucked. It needs fixed, and it's more chaos in that house. Then Ty comes in and happens to overhear it, and he refreshes his offer. He doesn't. He's not happy with the girls living in a house where mm-hmm. there is electrical right. faults. And he offers to move back in with... With well, Craig and, and Faye. That's the sweetener that he's going to move back into the salon flat without telling Craig and Faye about it. So, <laughs> Well, he still owns it, so they can GTF. So Fizz agrees. And he offers for, for Phil to come yeah, as well. Yeah, and stay with. But I don't think Phil's coming. It's just, it's just Fizz on the road. But yeah, yeah. I imagine this, this sort of thing happens. Never. Quite a lot in, oh. in, um, in old houses. In the UK. Oh, the electrics, yeah. The electrics. Because even here, you still kind of sometimes have like the like the glass wiring and stuff in like old houses from yeah, the yeah. 1800s. First meets Evelyn in the pub. She's moved back into number nine and Evelyn is pleased to hear this, thinking that someone else can help her do the washing up. Fizz goes to show the dress that she wants from a magazine, but the pages are stuck together by the remains of that horse bunk. And this wedding is beginning to feel cursed, says Fizz. Oh, the way we says Evelyn, who's suddenly become Scottish. <laughs> As all the best people are. On Wednesday, at the factory, Fizz gets a text letting her know that Mimi won't be coming to the wedding because she's getting dental work done. And Fizz does a little happy dance at this because not only will Mimi not be coming to the wedding, but she'll be in pain at the same time. Finally, Fizz is catching a break until Phil texts and suggests that they postpone the wedding. Yeah, for a dental appointment. Right. GTF, Phil with two L's, if that is your real name. Sally has sympathy after her experience with Tim's mum, who she can uh, handle in small doses, and she suggests compromise, but Fizz is determined not to postpone, and Phil can like it or lump it, and Mimi, she can shove it up her arse. Right up up her arse. Tyrone gets home and hears Fizz put her foot down with Phil with two L's about his fucking mother. She's refused to move the date. And later, Phil tracks Fizz down to the rovers. It turns out Mimi has moved the dental appointment because that's that was always the alternative, right? Right, just, yeah. And the thing the that you should do. So Although, she, considering how long it, it how long the waiting list is for braces. I don't think she's going in for braces. Yeah, but there could be other waiting lists for other dental work. But she can make the wedding after all. But more than that, She'll be arriving early. She's very keen to help to organise. No. And Fizz puts her foot down again. She can come, no. but she can have nothing to do with the planning. This is my wedding. This is my day. And Phil, he looks like he's... How do I explain this to my mum? Right. Are they going to get married? I hope so, because I love Phil. 
Mm. And I think he and Fizz are good together. Yep. I don't know if it's looking like it. Like I said, I hope so. Because I like the two of them together. And, you know, it would be nice for Fizz to be happy. Mm. And I think for the most part, when Mimi's not around, she is happy with Phil. And Phil is happy with her. And Phil genuinely loves her. And it's not going to leave her for a younger Armenian model. Unless the script dictates that he does. Yeah, I'm... I don't want Phil to leave the show. I don't want him to leave, and I don't want... I don't Tyrone want Fizz to go and, and get, back get back together with Tyrone, yeah. no. Because I think they work better. Like, you know, co-parenting, and that's it. I think they appreciate one another better. Yeah, I'm not sure they work any differently apart than the two together, but anyway... There's less sex. Well, yeah. It's... Um, it was a, it was the obvious return the minute that he started to go out with Alina. Now remember, Tyrone still has that tattoo in his leg. And Alina, <laughs> it, well, she's not pregnant now, but let's remember, Alina was pregnant. And, and probably has had that baby. Well, one would hope that she's had that baby by now. It's been nine months. When did she go out with it? I can't remember. It has to have been nine months ago. Was it, it was last year. Was it? Yeah, it wasn't this year. Oh, yeah, because they were fighting at Christmas. Right. Him and Phil, that's right. Yeah, so it's been a while. But, yeah, that was the obvious reset button was, you know, something will happen, but they'll end up getting back together and then they'll pretend that everything's been fine. So it, it seems very important that they don't get back together again. Otherwise, that is exactly what's just happened. We've just hit a reset button. Oh, well. Our penultimate storyline is Abby's next last chance at happiness. In the garage, Abby learns that she has a new hearing for custody for Alfie, and it is tomorrow. That was quick. Tomorrow. Meanwhile, Tyrone is upset by Weather County's new kit. It has a lace-up collar, apparently. Yes, because they're all pirates now. Later, Kev. Well, that was the or, fashion of the day or, um, a little while ago. Or is it like a, like a ghillie shirt? It's a little bit like that, yeah. Are they going to start wearing kilts instead of shorts? That'd be fun. Fun for me. Later, Kev brings Abby up to speed with the Toya situation. Abby feels responsible for it, but Kev says it has nothing to do with her now. Let's get Alfie back. Abby is enjoying a cuppa with Sally and Nina's rolls. Abby is nervous about tomorrow, reckoning that the judge looks at her like something out of train spotting. Sally hasn't seen train spotting, but reckons that Kev is a great man to have on her side. Kev. Abby promises not to waste this chance with Alfie if she's given it. So she gets home, she's spoken with the social worker Chloe, and I'm afraid it's bad news. If she gets custody, it's only with supervision. So much for our family together. One I, step at a time, says Kev, who looks like he's had a wash in the last fortnight, so that's pretty good, that's right? That's something. Right. Still has that jacket, though. He has had that jacket for years. Yeah. And years. Yeah. And years. And it looks it. Right. Is Abby being a little... Does, is she expecting a little bit too much here? That she seems very very broken by the fact that if she does get custody, it's with supervision. As if that's like, well, in that case, just don't fucking bother giving me custody then. It just, it just reinforces, once again, how everybody would have been much better off if after the hearing she and Imran and Toya had just co-parented that child which is what they were doing right 
Well, which was, oh, they were trying to do. They were getting, what, in, that, they they were were getting tr- in that direction. They, which they were trying to do, and then Abby tried to kidnap the child and take him to Costa Rica. Oh, Costa Rica. How did I forget? Costa Rica. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not sure this is a... This is a great way to end it. <laughs> great way to end it. So she's got her custody tomorrow, because, sure, tomorrow, right? Right, but she's going to have to be... Like living with the foster parent or something? I don't quite understand what she was. She gets custody, but it's under supervision. So every day the the court's going to appoint somebody to come and watch her and make sure that she's she's not taking drugs or killing the child or whatever. Who knows? So there'll be some supervision going on. Which right. kind of seems... Does that seem reasonable? It kind of seems reasonable. It, yeah, it seems reasonable. Again, it would be nice of her if Alfie's dad was alive to do that. But, you know, whatevs. Yep. You can only push for the cock you've got, as my mum used to say. <laughs> so moving on. Our final storyline is the solicitor with a dragon tattoo. And during the storyline, we're going to see a character break character and remain broken out of that character now. On Monday... Toya is ironing. That wasn't what I was talking about. Preparing for Imran's funeral, Leanne buzzes a flat and Toya burns her best Imran's funeral outfit. Right, Leanne her best black dress. And promises to have Toya's back. There are going to be people at that funeral who don't want Toya there, thanks to Adam and his accusations. And also because Toya drove into a building. That too. Outside the cabin, Peter runs into Alia, who already thinks that Toya is guilty of everything after she's spoken with Adam. Then Peter gets a call inviting him to a meeting, to which he agrees, and his call was from DS Blondie, and he goes in to be interviewed by her. She points out Adam's allegations of Toya saying that she could kill Imran, which Peter laughs off as a figure of speech. She has questions about his relationship with Toya, and in particular, the story behind baby Susie. Gulp, says Peter. And he explains Toya's desperation to have a baby, the devastation of the surrogate's miscarriage and the secret deal that she struck with Eva. They split when he found out, but he can understand now why she did what she did. Mm-hmm. DS Blondie, though, calls it extreme, especially as she's fostered three kids and agreed to take on her husband's baby that was born from infidelity. Peter says Toya is very forgiving. Right, yeah. And also, I mean, DS Blondie... Making a big deal about Toya having fostered three children is kind of ridiculous because that's what foster parents do. Oh, yeah. I know foster parents that have fostered like dozens, 30 kids, Mm -hmm. you know, so that shouldn't be a strike against her at all. Well, as D.S. Blondie says, I'm just trying to build up a picture in my head of Toya's frame of mind here. And also, you know... What was she going to do? Say, no, no, Alfie. No, I reject this child because he did not come for me. Mm. That's not the sort of thing she would do. Although she does other things this week that seem not the sort of thing. That's what I'm talking about. The break of character. That that liberal. Yeah. Veggie, veggie tree hugging Toya. Right. Mm. Yeah. At the funeral, meanwhile, everyone apart from Leanne is ignoring Toya or sending her nasty looks, including Yasmin. What a fucking cow. Toya gets up for her eulogy while people continue to throw hate at her. She says that Imran tackled life head on, which I think was an ill-advised phrase to use. 
She wishes that he was the one up here talking about her and she breaks down. After, she invites Syrah back to the bistro for the wee cup of tea, but Syrah tells Toya to suck her balls, as far as she's concerned, and from the perspective of someone who has been back on the street for 15 minutes and only ever comes back when her children die, this is all Toya's fault. Then Peter comes in, looking for a word. He explains about being called in to see DS Blondie about Adam telling them about her threatening to kill Imran, and also Blondie was keen to get the goss about baby Susie. Oh, says Toya. Yeah. Because at this point, Toya now knows kind of the line that the police are going to take here and how right. this all just starts to look a little bit dodgy. Yes. At the bistro, the main topic of conversation is Toya's absence. Missing your husband's wake is not a good look, says Alia. And it looks worse when Peter arrives and Toya still isn't there. Peter explains about the police sniffing around Susie and how he told Toya. And as far as he knew, Toya was already here. Leanne doesn't know why the police are digging all this up, so Peter tells her about Adam grassing Toya up over her remarks about wanting to kill Imran if he ever lied to her again. Plus, the police are here, says Peter ominously, and the camera cuts to Craig, either about to bump into something or just after he's bumped into something. <laughs> and spilled his, his drink for the fifth time. So Leanne goes to have it out with Adam about being a stinking grass. Adam doubles down on the only bit of evidence he has, which is hearsay that Toya said to Leanne that she would kill Imran if he lied again. I had to remind myself about that. It was like, he didn't hear that. He heard someone else say that she heard that. Which is well, hearsay. Well, no, he, is was, he was standing behind Toya when she said it. No, no, because this was after the accident. No, you're right. It is hearsay. Gosh, what is wrong with my brain? It is just totally fried in, in this heat. Leanne knows her sister and her sister ain't no killer. Adam suspects that the sisters of all killers would say that. So Leanne slaps him. Right. And, and then needs yes. him in the notes. And then says, yeah. Yeah. Why don't you ask your your aunt about that? Or, or maybe one of her brothers. Whoa, says Craig. And he rushes over, bumping into <laughs> something. Next, we see Toya at the police station with some things that she wants to get off her chest. She wants to help them with their inquiries and she explains that the supposed threats against Imran were figure of speech and she didn't act on them. Plus, she didn't say them to Adam, she said them to Leanne. And she has just found out, or she had just found out that Abby was trying to kidnap Alfie and she was stressed that day. Blondie puts it to Toya that she has a history of extreme reactions when it comes to babies and perhaps she was pushed to another one when she learned that she would be losing Alfie and Elsie. But all this relies on Toya knowing that Imran had lied to the court about Abby's drug use and she swears that she didn't know that. So DS Blondie now reveals that she's retrieved a confessional voicemail message from Imran that was left on her mobile phone before the accident and she plays it for Toya and then points out that Toya deleted it after they had spoken after the accident. Right, yeah. And that still doesn't necessarily prove that she knew before the accident though. Well, I wonder, and I'll try to look this up, but it's really difficult to get uh, details on it the metadata that your phone holds about voicemail messages it can tell if it's been deleted obviously right but i wonder if it can tell when it was first listened to because she listened yeah. to it for the first time after the accident as well right yeah because it says you have one new message so and now the, there was a conversation that happened in the car right but if the police are trying to prove that that yeah, she they, knew. they still don't know about the conversation in the car. Yeah, the voicemail is their proof. So I wonder if the, if there was anything that they could that it, it's stored in your phone that would. 
it it seems, it, yeah, it seems to it seems to be that because she deleted it, they're assuming she deleted it out of guilt. Yeah, and she doesn't help because she comes up with a really lame excuse that she didn't know that she had a message, so she must have deleted it by mistake. Mm-hmm. And Blondie arches an eyebrow at her and then arrests her on suspicion of murder one. Yeah. Toya's reaction when when, when Blondie they got says the murder, voicemail. No, it's when she said murder. She she just kind of she almost convulses a little bit right. at, at the idea that, that this is actually happening. That was very good. I am um, because we have we've seen that flashback right in the car where Imran has very definitely told Toya what has happened. Oh, Toya and, knows everything, right? Right. And then Toya but says, "I she? hate you." Right, yeah. And then we don't know what happens between the I hate you and then crashing into the wall. Right, yeah. That if you thought that she saw a chipmunk or something. Right. Or maybe she was reaching for some Cornish fudge or something. We (laughs) will never know. She was reaching for a Cornish hen. Sure, I'm kind of lost now in this metaphor. Anyway, anyway. yeah, because, you know, there's a part of me that's like, well... She saw that flashback, but does she know that that... Because the brain does funny things, right? It's conceivable that she can't remember right. the specifics of it. And the only thing that we hear her remembering is the... I hate you. The I hate you bits. And it's like, did she remember it in that moment and now she's forgotten it again? Is that possible because the brain does funny things? Is she misremembering all of this? You know, it's just... This this the storyline is just really not very clear and it's the fact that they're relying so heavily on this flashback to to try to tell the audience sort of what really happened but not telling us everything is is kind of frustrating at this point especially considering what happens next when the lawyer gives Toya some advice that she very strongly rejects. Yeah, let's, let's, let's talk about let's that talk now. About that. So on Wednesday, Toya is introduced to her new solicitor who has a tattoo on her arm, and that's all Toya needs to know about her new solicitor. The solicitor wants to know how she's going to plead, and Toya doesn't really want to speak to her and just wants to talk to Leanne right now. So Leanne gets a call and learns that Toya has been arrested for murder. Leanne isn't impressed with the tattoo solicitor either and tells Nick that it looks unlikely that they'll have enough to charge her, though. And, I mean, it's not like she's got murder kill. Yeah, she doesn't have a swastika tattooed on her, <laughs> tattooed on her knuckles or anything. It's You can't really see it. And it's very dark. Yeah. You know, it doesn't look like a, a real tattoo at all because it's far too black. Yeah, I, I suspect it's not a real tattoo. No. Much like Tyrone's tattoo was not a real tattoo. But, you know, it's just, it looks like maybe something tribal or like a filigree or something. It's yeah. not, it's not like a flaming skull head or like a naked lady or something. For it's this, in a really weird, awkward spot too. It's like. It's, but it's just here. below the cuff. It yeah. goes just below the cuff line. Right. Like just Far enough out where no matter how long your sleeves are, you're not going to cover the whole thing. Right. Which is weird. Well, she says it was a mistake. Right. And it was in Thailand. Like, Thai people don't know how to tattoo you properly. I find that hard to believe. I find that very hard to believe. But but this was like the first thing that happened on Wednesday's episode was 
Toya going, what's that? And the solicitor oh, it's my, my caseload. No, on your arm. Oh, look, it's my tattoo. And I thought, really? Toya's got a problem with a, with a tattoo? Liberal, tree-hugging, vegan Toya has a problem with people with tattoos and doesn't think people with tattoos can be lawyers. Now, the, the Toya's uh, position here is that this is, this is a, a bad presentation for a, a jury and for a judge. One tattoo on the arm. In, in 2022. Right, yeah. She also... and, and, and remember, the solicitor won't be the barrister, probably. Right. So we'll, we'll be nowhere near the court. Right. She also seems to take offense at her youth and maybe even her gender a little, like later on when she's like, you know, can I get somebody a, a little older and more experienced or something? Or how long have you been doing this? And it's just like, this is the sort of thing you'd expect Ken to say. Right. Not Toya. Now, to be fair, though, she has just been arrested for murder. So maybe that does make you say and think slightly differently to how you would normally. Or maybe it's giving her something to focus on so she doesn't have to think about her guilt. Right. But it was weird as fuck. Yeah, and it, it continued to be weird every time she says the word tattoo. I don't think Leanne's reaction to it was weird. Or, no. Or it wasn't as weird. It wasn't as weird. Right. And So, Leanne bumps into Adam, who apparently iced his jaw after the punch of the century yesterday. They argue about the likelihood of Toya murdering Imran, and Adam insists that he was doing his duty by reporting it and suggests that Leanne has her doubts too, and we cut to Leanne and... Kind of seems that he's right. At the police station, the tattooed solicitor is worried that the police are dragging their feet and Toya continues to be a bitch to her about the tattoo thing. In comes Deus Blondie and says that Toya isn't going to go home anytime soon and is formally charged with murder. I really didn't see this coming, says the tattooed solicitor. Privately, the solicitor suggests that Toya's best way towards freedom is to lie through her arse and tell everyone that she was suicidal and she gets away with diminished responsibility. But is that a lie? Is that a lie? Because that's what it really seems like happened there, doesn't it? Well, she's insisting that it wasn't. Right. But she slammed into that building... You know, which she had to have known was going to hurt her as well as Imran. Well, maybe it just jumped in front of her at the last minute. Right, yes, because that's what buildings do. The, the, yeah, and happened. then at the funeral, she says it should be Imran standing here and not me. I should be the dead one. Oh, that's a good point. Thank you. It's nice when you say that. I appreciate you. Well, I, I always say it when I mean it. <laughs> you know I, and Toya's reaction to this is kind of ridiculous too because she tries she seems to insinuate that because she's a counsellor which let's remember right now she's not nope. that she can't possibly be suicidal that counsellors are never suicidal that no, counsellors never have mental illness I don't issues. think that was a point I think her point was as a counsellor it, it's, it, it's even more galling to use this as an excuse when it wasn't true. But it might be true. Yeah, but she doesn't think it is. Or she doesn't want to admit that it is. She's also appalled at, suggest at the suggestion that she's exploiting her in her uh, infertility. 
that her baby fever is somehow to blame. Right. And the, the solicitor says, do you want to go to prison or not? Right, yeah. Because... I don't. I'm not sure that this is a, an airtight case for the no. for the cops. But what they've got against her is Adams here say that that Toya said a a a, a commonly used phrase right. that is meant as hyperbole or exaggeration. Right. They have that, and they have the a video. Fairly, well, the, no one's disputing the fact that the car crashed into the into right. the wall, and, and no one's disputing the fact that Toya was driving. And no one, and she didn't break, and she didn't try to avoid it. She just ran right into and it. That hasn't been disputed. But the the, the only voicemail. other thing that they've got is a reasonably vague voicemail where Imran sounds like he has something to confess. Right. But the but no proof other than circum other than the fact that she deleted it. Right. That's, after the fact. Right. And people delete messages all the time. Right. Do you delete messages from your recently that Deceased day? Husband? Deceased husband? Maybe not. Probably not. But I think it's this is all circumstantial. And maybe Toya doesn't even know if she's if she did this deliberately or not. Right. Yeah. And also the conversations that she has with Imran in the car, where she's saying things like, "This means I've lost Elsie, and this means I'm losing Elsie. I have nothing else." The way she was talking sounded like she had nothing to live for. Mm. At the funeral, she says, I should be the dead one. It really kind of feels like this is. Yeah, they're dropping enough hints. Right. So it's kind of weird that. That she's not even stopping to think about the possibility that maybe in that moment she was suicidal because as people have pointed out rightly, she can be very impulsive, you know, even in her activism, you know, chaining herself to things. Oh, yeah. 20 years ago. Well, no, not 20 years ago. Oh, no, she did it with Nina. That's with right. Nina and Evelyn. That's right. I forgot about that. So outside, Leanne demands that DS Blondie lets Toya go. She's a good person. So DS Blondie says, okay, well, just hold on a second. I need to find the keys. And then gives her a look. I loved that. That was hilarious. I thought that was cruel. It was great. It was exactly what Leanne deserved. <gasps> because she does go around. And like the conversation that she has with Nick that we haven't talked about yet. The way she, she just talks like. There's no possible way that Toya is in the wrong here at all. Well, well, we'll, we'll get, we'll get to and, that because she says something that's kind of contradictory to that. And, you know, I will fight to the death anybody who says otherwise. And it's ridiculous that you're holding her, blah, 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 blah. So Leanne meets with the tattoo solicitor in, in the middle of the waiting room in the police station and they chat about Toya's case. Basically, Toya's fucked. The solicitor tells Leanne uh, that all the evidence is kind of pointing that she's guilty here and she tries to convince her sister to lie about being suicidal because the clock is ticking. So Leanne speaks to Toya on the phone and Toya still won't go for it, which means that she needs to find a new solicitor. <sighs> Can we try and find one with her nipples pierced this time or something else that's easier to disguise? Or like a nose ring. Right. Something that comes out. Right. Leanne offers to see what she can do because Toya can't afford it. The factory pays peanuts and besides she's never there. <laughs> So Leanne goes and floats the idea with Nick, who isn't sure where they can get this money from. It'll be 30 or 40 grand, maybe even more. 
Nick points out that Imran is dead and Leanne isn't so sure that Toya is innocent. He suggests exactly what the uh, Slusser suggested, that maybe we can get her off with diminished responsibility. And Leanne wants to take the money out of the company, but Nick says the company doesn't have the money. They've, they've taken right, all the you, dividends out. And we, have never you good. noticed? Right. right the, way, the way she says... Can we can we take it out of out of the the business? And Nick laughs at her and says no. And she's like, "Why not?" It's like, we, I'd do it for your sister. <laughs> and Nick says, "Please don't." <laughs> there is no money because there is no money, and even if there was, we'd have to convince Debbie to right. Yeah, this it. it's just. And then Nick says, "If we had all the money in the world." Uh huh. I would give it to Toya. You're right. right. We would we would back her because she's your sister. Right. And it doesn't matter if she's guilty or not. Right. This is what you have to do because it's your sister. So right. it sounds to me at, at that well, point that the yeah, it sounds to me at that point that it's it's a non starter. Right. But the next we hear, Leanne's back on the phone to Toya saying that, that she's got it. She's going to get a new solicitor. The, her trip advisor score is five stars all the way and she's not tattooed and she doesn't even have a nipple ring. She's perfect. Toya insists that she's innocent, but Leanne takes her breath too long to respond and now Toya doesn't think that she has Leanne on her side and if her sister doesn't believe her, what hope does she have? And that's how we end Wednesday's episode and for all intents and purposes, Coronation Street for us this week. Yes. <sighs> so where is the money coming from then? They don't have the money. Or is she lying to her? Well, it seems that there's a meeting getting set up with a solicitor, or is it the first meeting's free? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. She was really bitchy to that that poor woman who was at least trying to help her figure out. I mean, it was kind of dodgy saying, all right, well, if we say this, then maybe you'll get I don't time think, off. I don't think solicitors are allowed to do that. Yeah. It's, it's, allowed, I don't think they're allowed to tell you a lie. Right. If she had said something like, well, do you think that perhaps you could have been suicidal in that moment? Because certainly if you drive head on into a building, you are trying to harm yourself. Kind of looks like it. Yeah. So it's a, it seems quite valid. The fact that Toya just flat out refuses to even entertain the thought that she was trying to harm herself. Yep. It's kind of sus, you know? It's like, you couldn't possibly have thought, I'm going to run into this building and I will be perfectly fine. Well, what are the options here? Because, like you said, the brake lights didn't come on and the car didn't swerve. So it was driven directly into that at speed. Correct. It, you need to have something wrong with that picture to be able to say that it was an accident yeah so it was it was and and in the absence of that and it wasn't accidental then the the natural conclusion is therefore that it was deliberate right and if it was deliberate then what was the purpose of it was, right and she keeps on saying that she wasn't trying to kill imran right but not once does she say i wasn't trying to kill myself she gets indignant about a supposed lie, but she never says, you know, she never flat out denies it either. I mean, she sort of does, but not. Well, no, she gives, she gives lots of reasons why she can't use that line given, right. given her personality, but right. I don't think she says, well, she, no, you're, I think she does say that she's, 
that she didn't kill him. Right. But, oh no, she that's that really is That's really the not saying I didn't using. try to kill myself. And she said a lot of things that makes it seem like she wishes she were dead instead of Imran. And you know, as as Leanne points out, Imran got out of that car. He got out of the car and then he saved Toya's life. And that exertion on his heart killed him. So it wasn't even the car. Well, I mean, it was kind of the car crash because that's what weakened his, his heart and everything. It did damage to his organs to the point where he would well, go into cardiac arrest. So it would be nice to believe. Allegedly. Hmm. But. She had a lot about concussion. So right. her, her suicide attempt was, was pretty lacking. Right. And, and her airbag went off. Her airbag went off. He didn't seem to have an airbag on his side. Which is unusual. It's very and it unusual. A, and it was a new car. As yeah. Was. And it was a Volkswagen. Yeah. Yeah. It should have had... Because if there's one thing the Germans are concerned about, it's safety. They like a bit of safety. They do like a bit of safety. They're quite regulatory about that sort of thing. Hmm. The Germans. But... It, it feels like with every step, we're not really learning anything new. I'm glad Imran got a funeral. Oh, sure. Sorry, Robert. But... No, the, the, the bit that we're still missing, and I don't know if we're ever going to get it, is what exactly happened in the seconds leading up to the, right. the crash and the impact. What yeah. happened after I hate you, Imran? And I, I don't know if if we're going to get that, but until we get that, it's going to be impossible to know for sure. But it's certainly at the moment it looks very very bad for Toya because because of the footage of the accident and because of the the hearsay. Although I I really there was a bit where the the DS Blondie goes to her with it and says you you said this thing about you want to kill him, and she says it was figure of speech, and she says, well, Adam Barlow seems to think that you meant it. Well. So fucking what? So what if Adam Barlow thinks that you meant it? What, what exactly? What exactly puts him it's, inside it's, her it's, mind to be able to, it's, to it's, tell that? It's, it's hearsay, and it it doesn't really count. Not a jury in the land, I think, is going to convince. Uh, convict and then they have the voicemail, and and again, that's non-specific, right? And I do think the way the phone company would be able to tell when it was accessed. Anyway. That'll do it for us, I think, for this week. That was the week that was Coronation Street, up until Wednesday, obviously. Yes, it was. We're going to be, miss, going to be missing Friday as you are hurtling down I-80 east to Connecticut. Yes. And, and Pain. yeah. Pain. Far too much in gas. Crying all the way about it. Yeah. There was a... Benny and I went to get gas last night, and on the pump somebody had stuck a sticker shaped like Joe Biden... With a voice bubble, with a speech bubble that said, I did this on it. And I ripped it off and Benny was like really embarrassed. Oh really? That I that I did that. But Not good hello, because the gas, president isn't responsible for right. gas prices. The pipeline wasn't even going to be ready for another three years. Oh, that's not this podcast. Didn't even belt anyway. And that's not this podcast. What's your moment, what, of, the week? Your moment of the week? <sighs> My moment of the week is whatever happens on Friday. Uh, nothing really seems to have stuck out to me. You know, I, I did like 
D.S. Blondie being sarcastic to Leanne. That was hilarious. Yeah, we gave it to Leanne last week. <sighs> Toya's, Toya's speech at the funeral? Mm. Kinda. We've, we've given it to Le- Toya fairly recently, fairly recently as well. Yeah. Kirk liking the new kit. No. He he likes the he likes the tie on. Is it is it Evelyn saying ology? No, I, think, gr- I think it can does. <laughs> grasping at straws here. Or or Evelyn talking to Kathy about ha- coming clean to Brian and how she needs to come clean. No, I think it's theology. <laughs> All right, fair enough. I mean, it's it's based on two episodes, and <laughs> I, I think if we were doing Friday, I don't think it would be this, but but I think out of everything, sure. Yeah, it was funny. Yeah. That's our moment of the week. <clears throat> Bore a moment of the week. Kirk liking the new strip. <laughs> Just that whole storyline. The Weathy County getting Oh it's Tyrone singing the song that they were singing Right yeah It's a it's a shirt not a shoe or something like that Right yeah Yeah he was far too pleased with himself about that That's yeah. a boring moment yeah. There we go Alright It is now 170 degrees in this room So I think we better wrap this one up If you want to drop us a line or send us some air conditioning, we're thetalkofthestreet at gmail.com and we're at Quarry Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. You can shout me and Helen a coffee by heading to ko-fi.com, that's ko-fi.com slash thetalkofthestreet. Check out the clicky-clicky section of voggle.co.uk for links to our merch store and YouTube channel. And if you're so inclined, please leave a rating and a review on iTunes or your podcast provider of choice. Thanks for making it to the end of another episode. Thank you. And we'll be back in about 10 days-ish. With more. Uh, talk of the street. Talk of the street. Bye. Cheerio.